Are you updating the music from chapter to chapter? Like, do you know what's going to be in chapter two yet? 
Um, well, yeah, because that's coming. So that has to be like mastered and ready to go like soon. Like, okay, that's coming in May. So, so like that music three. is written. Uh, chapter three, we have two of the songs already picked, but we don't have a third one yet. I Got might it. find something from the past that I wrote that I think is still relevant, or I might write something new. I'm not sure yet. Cool. Um, and we might actually switch out one of the other songs that's in there already. We're just kind of trying to outline it. Okay. Um, right now, um, but I just thought that that would be a way cooler way to release music because. I mean, people are constantly getting new content, first yeah. of all. But second of all, like, they feel like they're, I feel like they probably think that they're more connected to me because I'm actually telling them exactly. what's going on all the time rather than just once. Yeah. No, I totally get that. And it's also the way, like, humans consume music, right? Like, right. you can release an album and, like, the shelf life of an album can only be, you know, two or three, maybe four months, right? right. And then at that point, like, I, I just, like, I bam, blew my load. with a new one. Yeah. But now right when they start getting bored, I'm like, just kidding. Ex- you're not bored anymore. Exactly. That's got the em. key. That, got them. And then by the end of the year, I've accidentally tricked everyone into listening to my whole album. Because, <laughs> like, now it's so hard to get people to listen to your whole album. Right. Nobody cares about albums anymore. Literally nobody cares. And it's really hard to be like, hey, listen to all 12 of these songs in one day all at once. But now in November, I'm like, haha, like I've actually tricked you into listening <laughs> to all of them. Like, like, ha, got you. Some songs do go <laughs> undervalued on it. Like, I mean, there's the, the famous word, album filler, right? Like, it, yep. you know, if you consume songs like that, I mean, some pieces of art that you could think would really resonate with their, the audience of yours, you know, they can go undervalued or kind of like unrecognized in a sea right. of like 12 others. But if you only release three at once, people are more yeah. more likely to listen to three songs at once than 12, 12 songs at once. Beautiful. Is it a whole story top to bottom? Like this is... For sure. Like what is the so, story you're looking to tell? Well, for me personally, like, because I obviously want people to interpret the music however they need it to be, like whatever they need it to mean, that's yeah. what I want it to mean for them. Um, but for me personally, like, and I think we've all experienced this and if we haven't, like we will. Like I think this just happens in life to everybody. Um... By the time that I was writing the music that that came out in chapter one and that is going to continue to come out in the next chapters, like when I was writing this stuff, I was going through kind of an experience where somebody that had been really important in my life for a very long time, I kind of made a recognition one day. The day that I wrote Song Like You, I made this recognition where I was like, we don't actually do anything positive for one another. Like this person that I really care about and it's going to be so hard for me to not have them in my life as much. I need to actually not have them, even though it's going to suck, because we don't do anything positive. Like, we were really bad for each other, and it wasn't just, like, a one-sided thing where the other person was bad for me, but, like, we both just didn't... We It just wasn't working. It was not good. But and, if it was bad for you, why did you care about him? Or did you care about that person despite how toxic the relationship was? It was more just, like, we had known each other for so long uh-huh. that it was, like, we were so close as friends that it was so, it was, like, it was so hard to just make the decision that it was, like, oh, my God, this doesn't work the way that it used to. Yeah. And for a lot, I feel like for, in different, like, in family relationships and relationships with another person or in friendships and whatever, this happens to all of us where somebody that we've been close with suddenly, like, we both change or one of us changes. what Something happens and all of a sudden it doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to admit that. Because you obviously care about that person and have for so long. So it kind of takes, like, the music lyrically um, from from top to bottom, if you listen through at the end of the year once all the music comes out, it's kind of taking you through the emotions that I was feeling at that time. And the first chapter, chapter one, is is it's blue and it's it's kind of representative of, like, a sad feeling of, like, I've made this realization and it sucks and yeah. I'm sad and I feel lonely, I feel abandoned, I feel just not really very great about myself right now. 
Chapter two is red, which is more like the in-between stage of that, where it's like, okay, I've figured out that this is a problem and I need to address the problem and it still sucks, but at least like I'm I'm trying to figure it out now. Yeah. And then chapter three is yellow and that's more like I'm better now and I've dealt with this problem. And it doesn't mean that there's light at the end of the tunnel and that like everything is sunshine and rainbows because that's not how life works. Of course. But, like I've dealt with one problem and now I'm better prepared for the next kind of thing. Beautiful. So were all three songs written about the same person? Um, no, actually. So I Can't Breathe was actually, I mean, obviously I was sad about um, you know, what a song like you is about, and I was sad about this person, but I was also just going through a rough phase in life when I wrote that song to where I kind of was down on myself, and I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing with my life, and I don't know if my life individually has a purpose and has any kind of meaning to anybody besides myself, and I was feeling really sad, and I was feeling really lonely and just kind of lost, and I didn't really know what to do, and so I just wrote a song about it because I know that everyone feels that way. There's no way that nobody in this room... There's no way that anybody in this room hasn't felt like that, essentially. is Like, we definitely all have times where we reflect on our life, and all of a sudden we're just like, what What am I actually doing? <laughs> and obviously, a lot of times, there's no reason to think that, because then you look back on when you thought about that, and you're like, wait, I was actually accomplishing something, and everything was fine. But in the moment, sometimes, it's really hard to recognize that things are actually okay. Yeah. Um, so that was, I mean, that song wasn't really about a person. It was more about me. And there are definitely other songs that are about me and how I'm feeling internally that... Not only are we on chapter blue, but are on chap, you know, red and yellow, and are coming out in the future, um, and even songs that I haven't written that I'm sure I'll write about other things. And I mean, obviously, as you're moving on from one one situation, you're leaving be- behind one person, you find new people. So then there are new people. Like in the next chapters, there are definitely songs about other people that yeah. are coming out. So it was just all inspired by one event, but kind of like what happened in my life from that event. Well, in the song, I Can't Breathe, you actually sound, like, extremely sad in the song. Yeah. When you went in to record it, were you that sad, or do you have to, like, get yourself in that mindset? So, a lot of times, when you write a song, you record a scratch vocal that day. Like, just, you just record a not a great vocal, and you're like, we'll come back to this later. Placeholder. Uh, yeah, it's like a placeholder, exactly. And that day, um, I literally, the vocals that are on I Can't Breathe, like, on the actual released version... We literally set up a microphone in the middle of the room and played the music into, like, these crappy headphones. And I just sang, like, pretty much, that's pretty much, like, one or two takes, that wow. song. It's, it really just consists of, like, one or two vocal takes put together. And um, I realized that, like, when I listened back to that and they were we were talking about re-recording the vocals, I realized there's no way I was ever going to top that. Because when I wrote that song that day, I was so feeling it that I didn't think I could ever go back and re-record it. So, like, on different songs that are happier, like, or angrier, or something is just, it's not, like, necessarily a sad song. It's easy to go back and channel that emotion again. But when you're really, really upset about something and, like, sad, genuinely, like, down, yeah. it's hard to, like, find that again and mm-hmm. capture it. So we just, we kept the, like, almost, they're essentially scratch vocals, and we just kept them. Who are you performing to when you're in the studio singing that song? Me, to myself. I'm really just singing things for myself because I... I'm essentially telling myself things that I need to hear. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm always waiting for somebody else to write a song that's going to help me to, like, lift me up. And I'm like, why don't I just write one for myself? That's you know? it's really beautiful, actually. <laughs> no, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's literally your therapist, you know? Yeah. But, like, that's... not really. Because like, I could give myself advice and then not follow it. But Do you do time. that? 
yeah, like I'll give other people advice and I'm like, wow, that was actually good advice. Like I hope they follow that. And then when it comes to myself, like I can't figure out mm-hmm. what the hell I'm supposed to be doing <laughs> but, with my life. But has there been a moment like where you write something in a song and like you, you use it to maybe inspire you to help you or to yeah, give you advice? Yeah, that's definitely happened. Where like I don't even realize that I've figured out something and then I'm writing and like lyric, like I just write down a lyric and I'm like, wait, like I didn't even realize that that's in the back of my brain and I already consciously was a, like I, like I'm consciously yeah. aware of this now. That's something that was in my subconscious before. How are you writing? Like, what is your process? Like, how, how do you how do you handle it? Because you wrote every song in chapter one, and I'm assuming it's going to be the same for the rest of yeah. them, right? Yeah, I didn't want to keep releasing music that I didn't write just because that didn't feel like super cool. Can so, you tell me that realization? Like, what was that realization like for you? Like, when did it click that music well, written was, by someone else? I was like you? 14 and 15 when I was recording for my last album, Not an Apology, and. I don't think that at that point in time I was necessarily ready to like write songs that the public could hear because I was I was younger and I was inexperienced and I was also kind of afraid that people wouldn't understand what I was talking about and that people would judge me for what I was saying because I was younger so I just I didn't I was like not prepared for that but then when I started doing interviews and singing these songs and I would hear my fans tell me about how meaningful these songs were to them and how, like, they've learned from what I'm telling them. I felt like a liar. Like, I, I mean, obviously, I would never record a song. If, if I didn't write it, I wouldn't record it if it didn't matter to me and if I didn't relate to it. But I almost felt guilty when people would tell me that these songs meant so much to them and they thanked me because I was like, all I did was sing them. Like, I didn't... I mean, I wrote, like, four, of, three or four of the songs on Not an Apology, but most of them I didn't write, and I felt guilty and I was like wait I want to tell you guys how I personally feel and I want to really connect with you so that when you thank me for things or when you relate to me you're actually relating to me and I was like I'm just gonna do it like it's I think really I can cool. do it so I just started writing and it happened to work out that's a yeah. level of like authenticity that you really don't find very often in artists right because a lot of artists are totally okay with letting other people write their yeah. songs and letting them be the vessel yeah you know to get it out there but right and some people like that's okay like some people that doesn't bother them but like it like hurt like I like I felt guilty all the time and I was and I was also frustrated because I had things that I wanted to say and I was like I want to be able to say these things like not only am I not already saying things that like not only do I feel guilty about this but I also just feel like kind of stuck in a box because I I have things to say and I just need to figure out how to formulate them type of thing are you afraid of people judging your music no not anymore I used I used to think that I would be when I wrote music and now it's more like I'm proud of my music like I'm I'm not afraid that people will judge it negatively like if people don't like my songs whatever like no skin off your nose. about you yeah. but if you do, then that's really cool. It's it's like I focus more on the fact that it can affect people in a positive way to hear things that I've written, rather than on things like rather than on focusing on people not liking what I say. Yeah, yeah. no, I totally get it. Yeah. Wow. When you're writing a song like Burning Bridges, where does that scream f- come from? Did you write that into it? What the like the loud scream that comes into the song like two yeah. or three times? Yeah. So that was actually the producer on that song. His name's Oak. He's really really rad guy like I try to do a lot of my songs with him because he's just brilliant mm-hmm. um and when we were writing that song I originally just sang that lyric, like I can't help it that I need you and then he sent us back the rough and he's like here like I've just been working on the song the past two days like here's what I've gotten so far and he just did that and I, uh-huh. I thought it was so cool that was his instinct the like screaming part he took what I had said that originally wasn't a scream. Originally, I just sang it normal, and he pitched it and made it sound like a scream. Awesome. And I just thought it was so rad that I was like, cool, we're going to leave this here. So that was just his instinct. That's what I think is really cool about music is 
like if one person's better at lyrics and one person's better at melodies and then one person's like a producer that's actually making the music, like the three of you or the four of you, however many in the room, like collaborate and you all put in your, you all like contribute what you're best out to the song and then collectively it becomes something it's a really beautiful amazing. Thing. Yeah, it's awesome. And, it's so cool. And you have to go in without an ego, right? Like you yeah. can't really go in to it. I mean, you explain to me how you go into a session. Um, I mean, it, it, in the beginning it was harder because I in the beginning of like this whole process where I was writing this music, I didn't know anybody. I didn't really know a lot of writers and producers because I had never written and written my music before. So uh-huh. it was hard in the beginning. So I would kind of walk in, introduce myself. And like, obviously, if you want to write a song about yourself, you have to tell the other people in the room what your story is in order for them to help you create that song. So I feel like I was constantly telling people the same thing over and over again. And then eventually you find your people like the, the like, I wrote Burning Bridges with this girl named Steph Jones, and she's not only an amazing writer and my favorite person to write lyrics with, but also like one of my closest friends, I would say. Cool. And so I like I, you find your niche, like you find like your people, and so I found Steph and I found Oak, the producer of that song, and like then it gets to a point where you just walk in, and you all know each other, you already know what's going on exactly. in each other's lives because you've talked so many times and you've written so many times together, and then you kind of vibe it out. So like Oak will start to work on a track, and we'll be like, oh, that's cool, and like Steph and I will be sitting and we'll be trying to like come up with melodies, and then if we find something that where it all clicks at one time, then we roll with that and we continue on that way. Cool. But, but like sometimes I'll like come in with something I've already written, like lyrics I've already written, and be like, how do we turn this into a song? But most of the time, it's just like you walk in, you talk about what you're feeling that day, and then everybody else like kind of helps you bring it to life. Whose idea was it to kind of sample London Bridges Falling Down? That, that was song. that was actually Oak's idea because we were talking about burning bridges. That's what Steph and I like. We're writing those lyrics, and he was like, "I wonder if London Bridges is public domain." So here's the rule for that: Go. If the last person who wrote on a song has been dead for seventy years or more, kind of morbid, then you <laughs> then it's public domain and anybody can access that. So that song was written, I'm pretty sure, in like the 1700s. So we yeah. were totally fine. Obviously, those people are long dead. R.I.P. Um, <laughs> For you, but, yeah, you. yeah. We're in like, your we're honor. Like, we're like, thank you. Like, we get to use this cool. Because who would expect a drop to be kind of a nursery rhyme melody? Yeah. And we were I like, that's no- a brilliant idea, Oak. Let's do it. It was perfect, and I had no idea it was coming in the song. And when I when it clicked, it made me so happy. Yeah, good. Yeah, it, was like, it, it was, makes me happy when it was I hear a really that. Great I'm like, yeah, like song. this is a cool idea. Thanks, Oak. Yeah. <laughs> in the chapter one promo that you posted online, like I know you kind of hinted towards it, but you kind of crack a smile at the end. Is that like saying, you know what I'm talking about? What video? The what? Pr- the, like, re- you release like a promo video. Yeah. And at the very end, you like, you crack a oh, smile. Yeah. Is that pretty much saying like, hey, I got through these sad, depressing times. Like, yes. Like it's a, it's like the depressing part is pretty much on its way out. I made it got, through. We made it through. We and, got it. And where are we at now? I mean, you're in a solid place. I, personally, like I'm stable right now for the most part. <laughs> I mean, obviously I have my bad days. So like I'm doing pretty good right now. I'm pretty happy. Like um, I definitely, I wrote these songs a while ago when I was actually like really sad and obviously when I sing them I still feel that and it reminds me of how actually grateful I am that I experienced those things because I mean that's why I did the colors because I'm doing blue red and yellow and then the final three songs which will be the completion of the album is going to be called something that that kind of um, symbolizes like all the colors coming together because like I think that like, from my perspective, blue is, like, a, more of a sadness and, mm-hmm. like, the sadder songs. Red is kind of, like, empowering. Like, you're kind of inspired and you're kind of, like, okay, like, I'm going to, like, yeah. you're frustrated, but you're, like, the frustration is kind of empowering you yeah. to move forward or something. And then yellow is, like, kind of a happier, lighter, like, okay, like, this is one weight off my shoulders type of thing. And those are three very different emotions. 
And at the same time, I feel like you need those three emotions to be the best version of yourself. Like you have to experience things that suck and you have to experience things that are awesome and things that are confusing in order to be the, the, the best version of yourself. Yes. And I thought that the, the colors were cool because um, you, those are the primary colors and you can create any color in using the entire spectrum using those three primary colors. Kind of saying that like you need these three colors to make all the other colors and you're like you need these emotions. To in make order your to, life. Yeah. It's beautiful. Thanks. It's really cool. Thanks. Did you did you think of that? Like, yeah. that, was that you like yeah. becoming one with yourself one night? Well, I see music in color. Really? Yes. So those were the colors that I actually just happened to see when I heard those three songs specifically on each EP, and I was like, why don't I just roll with that and say like, because even if you don't see music in color, I feel like if we all associate the color blue with a sadness. Of for course. The most part. Society all, is linked to two We together. all can associate red and yellow with different emotions that mm. are similar. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like what you feel when you look at something that's yellow is probably similar to how I feel and how we all feel for the most part. Like, I feel like it's like a happier color. It's like sunshine and like mm-hmm. it's a little bit bright. It's like a brighter, happier color depending on like the actual hue. Yeah. But you know what I mean? So I was like, this is kind of a way to simplify such like a crazy idea. Can you explain to me how you see music in color? Like that's like it's it's hard to like actually explain cuz I don't even really know. But like when I listen to music, it's like my like I can see certain colors like not physically with my eyes obviously, but like in my in your brain. brain like and I visualize Colors in my brain, I visualize certain scenarios. Like, say, like, I'm visual. Oh, this is just an example. It doesn't mean this has actually happened. But, like, uh-huh. say, like, I'm listening to a song and it reminds me of, like, like it brings out the color green. Like, maybe I'll see, like, a forest in my brain. Like, maybe I'll visualize. Like, I visualize things that are green, not just, like, my whole brain just turns yeah, green yeah, or yeah. something. But, like, I just see things that are that color. And, like, that's what I'm thinking about type of thing. It's very weird. It's that's... very hard to describe because I don't even really know what's happening. When did you realize that? Um... I mean, I've always just known that that was a thing. So obviously, I listen to music and that happens, but, but I didn't realize that that was there was like a name for that, and that not all that doesn't happen to everybody until like probably two years ago. Like I didn't realize that that was like an actual thing that only certain people ha- have. Is there like a song that you remember like hearing for the first time and being like, "Wow, I'm seeing brown bark wood"? Why or something like that? You know the song "Wild Horses." Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild Horses. Yeah. That was one of my favorite songs when I was a kid, and. I used to always just see, like, obviously you're talking about horses, whatever, but, like, I would see, like, Rolling Hills and, like, lots of browns and, like, golden colors. Like, every time I hear that song, I still see those same colors. It's, like, a gold or bronzer. Like, it's, like, goldish and, like, kind of bronzy and, like, very, like, open and expansive. And, like, that was the—that's the first song that I can look back and, like, say that, like, I can remember, like, like seeing that and feeling that. Wow. But it's cool. It's so like I don't even really know. Like I, it's very weird to actually describe because yeah. I don't necessarily know what it is. You did a good job. I get it. Yeah, you no, I, to- I totally understand it. <laughs> job well done. You're happy Thanks. that there's no more honeybees on Cheerio boxes? Um, yeah, my mom actually texted me today though, and she was like, um, "B um, Cheerios is owned by General Mills, and General Mills actually uses pesticides and all kinds of awful, terrible things that are actually <laughs> killing the bees." To create their Cheerios, and the only way that they could actually help the bees is if they started going organic. And I was like, "Wow, mom, you're actually right." So even though they're, <laughs> even though it's cool that they're like promoting helping the bees, they're not necessarily actually doing anything. It's cool that they're giving out seeds for like fancy to, marketing, to dude. Wildflowers. But my mom was like, "That's pretty much just marketing and not actually doing anything helpful." So I was like, "Wow, mom, way to burst the bubble." <laughs> <laughs> How's your mom doing? How, how's everybody doing? Everybody good? Yeah, they're pretty good. Are they here with you in LA? 
No, my mom and my, my whole family is on the East Coast, so it's really hard. Like, I'm really out here, like, totally alone. Like, I have no family on the West Coast. Like, my, my extended family, even, is all on Long Island. So, like, literally everyone is in New York, and I'm here well, by myself. And how is that? Because you're only 19. 18. Hey, Jesus. Fetus. You know, you're— Come on! <laughs> Fetus. <laughs> you're navigating life! You mentioned that what? you're 18, not 19, but did you have to wait to put this— is it an EP or is it a chapter? What are you calling it's a it? a chapter. Did you have to wait to put this out until you were 18 because there is an explicit logo on it? No, actually. That's a good question, though. But we were just, that was the timing that worked out okay. best for us. Because <clears throat> pretty much the entire music industry shuts down from, like, the beginning of December through, like, the middle of January for, like, yeah. the holidays. So people, you if you notice, like, most, like, really nobody releases music during that time. Because mm-hmm. the the beginning of, like, the musical year is in February. Charts are closed. Part. It's yeah. pretty useless if you decide to release yeah. then. Yeah, pretty pointless. Yeah. But you're, you're here navigating Hollywood by yourself. By myself. My well, mom, I flew my, so I just got my own apartment, like, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe. Um, and I used to come out here all the time and just stay in hotels for like months at a time, which was awful. So yeah, I, I I'm a once. lot happier in my own place. What'd you say? Yeah, I said, yeah, I saw you once. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Don't even- <laughs> anyway, sorry, keep going. <laughs> Don't bring that up. Um, but yeah, so, um, I have my own place now and like the first day that I like got my keys, I flew my mom out and she like helped me like get my furniture set up. She helped me go shopping for all the essentials like toilet paper and Beautiful. like toothpaste and towels and cleaning supplies and all and like And are you utensils. keeping things stocked? Yeah, because you don't you don't realize how much you don't have until you until move out of your yes, parents' house. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. This has been my biggest dilemma. It's like a lot of my friends who live with their parents are like they live in college, so they like have a roommate or something. Uh-huh. Like I just realized the other day, like, I would actually starve if I didn't, like, feed myself. How weird is that? <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. being an adult is hard. Like, or if you yeah. didn't buy your own towels, like, you wouldn't not, have anything right, to dry your right, body with. Right, Like, Like, a lot of times, like, obviously when you live at home, like, you think about, like, you're actively thinking, like, oh, look, like, I need this and I need this and I need this. And, like, maybe you're about to go to the store and then your mom is like, oh, I'm about to run to the store. Do you need anything? And you're like, yes, I actually have a list prepared. Here are all these things I realized I needed. But now it's like... If I'm waiting around for my mom to be like, hey, like, about to run to the store. Like, that doesn't happen. No. Like, if I'm thinking about things I need, like, they're just going to continue to deplete until I have nothing left. And, I need to and then your list is so and big. And then my list is so big. And I go to the grocery stores with, like, $400. And I'm like, help. Like, so many adult sucks. And the other day, someone pointed out that I had no toilet paper in my apartment. I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> how can I invite people over and not have any toilet paper? This is I have cute. toilet paper now. Buy in bulk. That's my only suggestion. Yeah, I, like, the last time I went to the grocery store... I bought like 12 rolls of toilet paper. Good. I mean, that, you know, so that should be depending on, you know, what your deal is, but that should be enough <laughs> to get you through for quite some time. Hopefully that'll last a while. Yeah. I don't know what. I don't want to be up I don't want to get too personal. But like, <laughs> Crying. Yeah, are we, are we going to be open, you know, emotionally, mentally to possibly a new relationship? Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm not, I would never be opposed, like, if somebody amazing walked into my life, I wouldn't just be like, well, I'm not ready for this yet. Like, you're never really ready for anything until it happens. Amen. So if somebody awesome just walked into my life today, I'd be like, totally down. What's your big, your your top three takeaways from the last relationship so you know how to maybe, you know, approach the next one differently? Top three things. Um, I would say I don't want to let, other people's emotions constantly dictate mine. Like, obviously, if people are down that you care about, you are going to feel that and you're going to try to help them. But at the same time, you can't let somebody else's problems dictate how you live your own life. Like, I spent too much time being very caught up in, like, 
using all of my emotional energy to put into someone who I really couldn't lift up because they were just down all the time. And, like, that's not good. Um, you have to be with someone who supports you and who, like, understands, like, you just have shit that you need to do sometimes. And, like, they can't always rely on you to be there at all times. And it doesn't... I also, for a long time, thought it made me a bad person if somebody needed me and I couldn't be there right away. You can't but think none that. of us, none of us can be. We all have jobs. We all have things that we need to do and take care of. It's like, we can't always be there for people. Yeah. And that's sometimes hard for certain people to accept. So, obviously, that. And just to find somebody who, like makes you genuinely happy and feel good about yourself and tries to lift you up as much as they can rather than trying to tear you down. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Pete like, Miller. Yeah. Has anyone ever told you your voice is like a young Amy Winehouse vibe to it? No, that's the biggest compliment I've ever, like the best compliment I've ever, that's my fate, that's my queen, like that's my hero. That's Especially my on the beginning of a song like you, because I played it for Heather yesterday and I was like, is this weird for me to say? And she's like, oh no, it actually it does. does. It does. You guys, that's so awesome, thank Woo! you. First Dan insults you, yes, you know, and know. then he compliments now you. Now he's your favorite person. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a reach. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter one, Blue, it is B. Miller's first of four. EPs that are out right now, and yeah. there are chapters to an entire story. Check them out. Do yourself a favor and do it, because all three songs on the EP are absolutely phenomenal. They're beautiful records. Thank you. And, uh, you know, you did an incredible job. And Julia Michaels, cool to work with? You like her? Yeah, no, she's she's super uh, rad. Cool. Super rad. And she was one of the only people that, like, wrote, like, an actual ballad with me, because a lot of times people are like, let's not write a ballad, because and then it can't be a single kind of thing, because that's really how everyone in the music industry thinks. Which is Especially so crazy. Music, which is crazy. Because a great ballad can really times, cut through. Yeah, like, a lot of times that's the song that people end up caring about the most, but she was, like, totally, like, rolling with me and, like, helping me to channel kind of my emotions, so. Hell yeah. That was a great day. B. Yeah. Miller, everybody. A quality yeah. conversation. I thank you oh, for yeah. hanging out. For sure. Thanks, guys. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network. Okay.